bringing the talents and songs that we can uh, sing and praise our great God with. Okay, what a glorious thing we can be here in the uh, Queen's Gardens today in Shepparton. Uh, a delight as spring bursts forth. I can see a few roses that are just starting to form their flower buds, so give us a little bit more. Another week or so, you'll see some great colours around here. Uh, but having said that, we are in a really dry time. We did pray for rain before, and we certainly want to see rain come as well. But though, still we praise God for green grass, where we can sit and relax. Uh, we praise God for trees. When the sun does come out, we sort of retreat under the shade of the trees. We praise God for all those things. Uh, praise God for his sunshine, the clouds and the air that we breathe are all a great gift from the God that we are experiencing today uh, with us as we gather. Today, uh, as we gather here this morning, I want us to think about um, a person, a person who many of us may think he's the person I'd like to be. If I said to you that you can be young, wealthy and in a position of authority, how would that sit with you? You'd possibly say, yeah, bring it on. Good to be young, to be wealthy and in a position of authority. Well, we're going to meet a guy today in the Bible who is that. He's young, he's wealthy and he's in a position of authority, but... He still feels like he needs just one more thing. He's missing something in his life and he needs one more thing. Despite being young, wealthy and a man of authority, he wants to live forever as well. So if you've got your Bibles or your um, sheets there, you can just turn to that passage and we'll read that together to help us uh, understand where we're coming from. It's in Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 22, and you can read along with me in your sheet there. Starting at verse 17, it says this, And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honour your father and mother. And the young man, he said to him, Teacher, all these I've kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Uh, Lord, we just thank you that this morning we can gather here in the gardens. And Lord, we thank you for your word that here is eternal. And I pray now that uh, God, by your Holy Spirit, you would just come and open up our hearts uh, to see what Jesus is saying here to this rich young ruler. We ask for your help this morning, and we pray that through this, Lord, you would help us to see who you are, the God of salvation and the God of rescue. Lord, we ask that now in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, we've just read a true account there of Jesus meeting this rich young ruler in Palestine 2,000 years ago. Now, you might say, how do I know he's rich and how do I know he's young and how do I know he's a ruler? That same story is recorded in, in two other gospel accounts as well. It gives us those details. He's a rich young ruler. You also may sit here today and think and wonder, what has this story got to do with us in Shepparton in 2019, like 2,000 years later. What could that possibly have to do with us today 
when this took place 2,000 years ago? Well, the Bible is a timeless book. It's a book that reveals the wonder and the glory of our eternal creator. The Bible reveals humanity from its perfection in creation, then its fall away from God and all the trouble that we experience now. The Bible also reveals to us, as this timeless book, it also reveals to us the God's rescue of humanity as well from all of our brokenness through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So this story that we read today reveals some of these elements as we think about that, humanity and its brokenness, but the rescue that Jesus Christ brings. Now, some of you may not even know who Jesus is. You may be here for the first time or maybe first time you've ever been to a gathering of Christians or believers. You think, I'm not sure, even sure who this Jesus person really is. I'm just going to give you a few big statements here about who Jesus is. He's a real historical person, born in Bethlehem, Judea, 2,000 years ago. You can trace that in history. He's a real person. Jesus' birth and life were the fulfillment of countless prophecies or predictions from the Bible. You can go back through the Old Testament and read countless times there where people made predictions about this certain person would come from a certain place and do these things. Jesus Christ from Nazareth, born in Bethlehem, Judea, fulfills every one of those prophecies and fulfillments. That's who he is. Jesus also, with his life, was like no other person in history. Unique, standalone in who he was and who he is. Jesus, time and time again, did things only God could do. Jesus opened up the eyes of the blind. Jesus opened up the ears of the deaf. Jesus enabled the dumb to be able to speak. Jesus brought the dead people back to life. And incredibly, when Jesus was crucified on a cross, he rose from that grave, giving unshakable evidence that he truly was the Son of God. He came out of that grave in his own power. This is the Jesus that we are talking about, truly unique, truly the Son of God. So today, as we think about this encounter here between this incredibly unique Jesus and this rich young ruler, we want to see here the brokenness of humanity and also the love of Jesus to come and to rescue us and to save us as well. Firstly, though, let's meet the rich young ruler as we think about him. I think on face value... The rich young ruler would be the image that every person may aspire to be. He was rich, he was young, and he had authority. This guy is the model and image of success, if anybody looked at him. He's the sort of guy that if you saw him on Instagram, he would be just popping up everywhere, here, there, and everywhere, doing his thing. Whatever he seems to put his hand to for this rich young guy, whatever he touches has the Midas touch, it turns to gold. If he was on Instagram, he's probably got more than a million followers following him. That's the sort of guy he is. And everybody wishing they could be just like him. He's young. He's got youth and vitality to burn. It's about where I was about 30 years ago. Not quite today, but I can still do a few things. But this guy, he's able to cram everything he wants into a day because he doesn't want to miss a thing. He's got energy and time on his side to enjoy and experience all this world has got to offer. He's a guy with authority as well. He's a ruler. He's got power. He has a position of power. He calls the shots. People don't tell him what to do with his time. This guy sets his own agenda and timeline and people fit in around him. He's in a position of authority and he's a ruler. He's a guy who's reached the top of the corporate ladder. He's climbed his way to the top and he sits there 
probably the place where some of us may want to be. Not only is he young, not only does he have authority, he's rich, he's loaded, he's got money to burn. Credit cards are not a problem for him. He's got the gold card when it comes to credit cards. Money is not an obstacle. He's got no limits to his spending power. If he sees something he wants, he simply buys it. If he wants a brand new Ford V8 car, he gets it. He's got money for it. If he wants to go to the Jamaican Islands for a holiday, which sounds like a really nice place to go, he just does it. He's rich. He's young. He's powerful and extremely wealthy guy. Many may look at him and say, that's success. That's who I want to be. If I could just have all those things lined up for me, then I think all my problems would be over. And I think if we're honest, sometimes when we're sort of flicking through Facebook or Instagram and we see those sort of things and we see that success posted up there in social, social media, I think there's a real sense of a voice that we hear inside of us that says, If only I could be like that. If only I could be that person seeming to enjoy that success and having all of life lined up for him. If only, as I'm flicking through, if only I could be like that person. But we see in this story, the rich young ruler is missing something, isn't he? He's missing something. For such a powerful figure... We actually see him in this story in verse 17. You're about to find that on your sheets there. And we see in verse 17, he's running up to Jesus and kneeling before him. Now, you would think for a rich young ruler, a man of prestige and power and authority, you wouldn't think this would be the position you'd find him in, running and kneeling before Jesus. But it's a sign of respect and humility. Maybe not what you think would happen here with this guy. But he asks Jesus here a very, very, very important question. Probably the most important question you or I could ever think about or contemplate in our own minds. He asks Jesus, and he says this, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to live forever? You see, even though this guy seems to have all the things this world could offer, he felt there was still something missing in his life. He had a lot of things, but he didn't have everything. He had a lot of things, but he didn't have everything. He was missing something. He was incomplete. He was lacking something. See, this rich young ruler had an inner awareness of a spiritual reality. We've all got a very physical, spatial awareness of the physical reality around about us because we can see trees and touch the grass and hear the birds. But he had now come to a spiritual reality. Somewhere deep within this rich young ruler, he realised the world and the universe was much bigger than him. He actually believed in a God who stood above and beyond this world as we see it. He knew there was something else out there. He had this inner awareness of a God who has created everything. He could grasp somewhat, there's something out there. What do I do to inherit eternal life? And you see, this is so true about our lives as well, isn't it? We can have an accumulation of stuff, good jobs, comfortable housing, cars to drive, clothes to wear, 
plenty of food to eat, smartphones, live streaming of movies on demand whenever we like, air travel and holiday destinations becoming more and more affordable, yet, with all those available resources, we are the most dissatisfied that humanity has ever been. With all that happening, we have things like mental health and loneliness at epidemic proportions and rising. There's something missing. We're living in the most connected age ever known to humanity. I can pick up a smartphone, dial a number, speak to a friend anywhere in the world in a matter of seconds. I can be maybe 50, 60 k's out of town, pull my phone out of the pocket, ring up somebody and talk to them 10 or 12,000 kilometres away. We are seriously connected so, so easily. But yet, at the same time, despite all this ease of connection, we're a society today that has probably been the most disconnected ever despite this ease of connection. Something is missing. We've never lived in a world of more entertainment options that we could ever experience. Movies, theme parks, computer games, outdoor activities to enjoy with family and friends. Yet for all that, entertainment and all these options, we witnessed that distressing shooting in Sydney on Wednesday night where family breakdown from domestic violence gets to the point where the man is shooting at his family and shooting at the police. Despite all of these options being there, that still happens. Something's missing. You see, people are hearing this quiet inner voice that's telling them there's something wrong. There's something missing. There's something that's not quite right despite all this that I have around about me. But they're not sure what this thing is that they're looking for to make sense of life. Now, maybe that's you here today. Maybe you're hearing that voice right now. Yeah, I think you're right. I have all these things, but I hear this voice that's telling me that it's not quite right. There's something missing. There's something wrong with this world where we live, and there's something wrong with me. If you're here today for the first time at Exchange with us in the park, we are so glad you're here because we would love to tell you what this thing is that you are thinking that you're missing at this time, which is Jesus Christ. So the rich young ruler asked this question to Jesus. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do? Well, you might say at least he's looking in the right direction. He's somewhat awakened to spiritual realities. He thinks there must be something beyond where we are. He's trying to make an approach to God. But as we'll see, it'll be on his own terms and not God's way. Let's flick over now. Let's think about Jesus as he responds here to this young man in a very unusual way about eternal life. Jesus here reminds him of the commandments that God gave his people to live right before him. These were um, rules and regulations for people how to live in community in a way that honoured God and was best for each other. And he starts off there in verse 19. You'll find it on your sheets. Uh, he says there, You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honour your father and mother. Jesus says that. It's as though Jesus is saying, if you read that on face value, that if you do all these things, if you just do all those things, you'll receive eternal life. Just be a good person. It appears to say there, and you'll be with God forever, if you saw that. And the man here, the rich young man, quickly responds, and perhaps with a hint of pride in the very next verse. He says this in verse 20, Teacher, 
all these I've kept from my youth. I've kept all these from being a young boy. You see, I'm a good person. I've kept all these commandments. Jesus, I'm the sort of person you want in heaven. I'm a good person. You need more of me in heaven because I'll make it a really good place because I'm a good person. I've kept all these commandments since my my youth. That's who I am. You can just about see the smile on his face as he answers those questions, can't you? He's thinking here, I think I'm in. I think I'm in. I've done this. I've done this. It's just like us often as well, though. If people asked, is there a God? And will you go to heaven to be with him? If that's the question asked to somebody, is there a God and do you think you'll go to heaven? Most people will answer, yes, I believe there is a God. And why do you think you'll go to heaven? Oh, because I'm a good person. Just like this rich young ruler. Yes, I believe there's a God and I'm a good person, so he will accept me. Let's read on. You see, Jesus here is a gracious, loving saviour. And he's helping this man to see his problem is far deeper than he ever possibly realised. Look in the next verse here as Jesus uh, responds back to the rich young ruler. Verse 21. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. I can imagine the guys there witnessing the disciples around Jesus, this conversation here, and they're sensing the love that Jesus was showing this guy. Because it says there, right at the top of that verse, looking at him, loved him. So this is the motivation that Jesus is coming from here. But what Jesus is about to do is expose this guy's deepest loves. Jesus says, sell all that you have. Give it all away. Let the poor have everything you've got, just let it all go, Jesus says. Let's remember, he's a rich guy. He's a master fortune. That's his comfort and security in life. But now Jesus says, let it go. Lay it all aside, walk away from it. How will the rich young man respond to what Jesus asks him here to do? Let's look at the next verse, verse 22. Disheartened by the saying, this is the rich young ruler, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. See, the rich young ruler thought he had eternal life in his grasp. He thought, I could answer all those questions. I've kept all those commandments. But Jesus says, lay it all down. Walk away from all of it. And he turns his back on Jesus and he walks away. Sorrowful. It says there he's disheartened. He's sorrowful of what Jesus had to say. In other words, he feels downcast. He feels grieved. He feels like a pain has just shot through his heart when Jesus says that. That pain's a bit like if someone has a red, treasured, one-of-a-kind possession, trapped in a house that's burning to the ground, and that treasure is destroyed in that fire. You feel great loss and great pain as it stabs you in the heart to think that treasure of mine has now gone. That's how the rich young man felt when Jesus approached him that way. Why did the rich young man feel like that? Why did he feel like that? 
See, what Jesus has uncovered here is the deepest love of this man's heart. And it was his money and his possessions. Gaining wealth and accumulating finance has become the number one desire that he loves the most, this rich young man. For this rich young man, life is all about making money to provide for his security, comfort, pleasure, enjoyment, and maybe even position in life. Money does all that for him. He loves to make money. Money is the number one thing in his life that he pours his time and energy into. There's no dramas about doing overtime. There's no problems about doing deals late at night. If he can make more money out of it, that's what drives him. You see, what this rich young ruler has forgotten here, who God is and what God rightfully requires of us as his creation, the very ones he gives life and breath to. God is our creator. He is our life giver. He does give us our every breath. God also requires of us as his creation to love and to serve him with our heart, mind, soul and strength above anything else. And rightly so. He's our creator and he's a good creator. Another way of putting this is like this. is that God created us to worship him in a loving relationship. That is how God has created us, to worship him in a loving relationship. We are created beings designed to find our deepest longing and our highest purpose through worshipping God, our creator. But the rich young man, he was worshipping money as his God. That was his number one desire. That was his reason for life. That was his saviour from a life of need or dissatisfaction. For the rich man, life's meaning comes from making money not from God. And ultimately, this is what the Bible calls sin, brokenness. Sin is when we turn our backs on God and we pursue our own selfish ends, giving our deepest love and devotion to other things other than God first and foremost in our lives. And this sinful brokenness has catapulted the world we live in into the mess that we see around about us. Everything springs from turning our backs upon God and living our own way. We set up our own agenda. We live for ourselves. And as soon as those agendas are crossed, like somebody's agenda is different to mine and we meet in the path of life and they're not doing the same thing I want to do, sparks fly. Arguments happen. Tempers flare. Things go awry. Trouble happens. Now, don't get me wrong here, because you might be thinking, well, is money the bad thing? Is money the, the wrong thing here? Money isn't the problem. Money's a good thing. It's not the problem here as we look at this rich young man. The problem here is the heart of this rich young man. It's the inner person within him. That's the problem because he now has corrupted desires for money. The heart is the problem, not the money. You see, we can make anything to have our first and supreme love of our lives. Anything. We can take anything out of this world and make it number one, ahead of God. Children and family can be our highest love before God. Before we even think about God, it's family first, kids first, parents first. Love of nature can be our highest love before God. Love of approval and praise in life can be our highest love or foremost desire before God. Love of pleasure can be our highest love before God as well. Again, none of those things are wrong. They're all good things. 
family is a good thing. It's a great thing. It's an important thing. Nature's a great thing. Approval and praise is a good thing. Pleasure is a good thing. But it should never be the supreme things in our lives because the moment they become supreme in our life, it distorts the way we think, the way we act and the way we behave. And this is exactly what Jesus is doing here with this rich guy as he begins to expose that. He's exposed to him in his heart to show what his deepest love is. And this deepest love for money for the rich guy is actually leading him to broken thinking. Think about this. Jesus is saying, break off with your love of money and put your love on me as your God and Saviour and you'll have eternal life. Stop loving your money and put your love on me. But how does the rich young ruler respond? He says, no, I want to keep my riches for a few short years and I'll give that away in exchange for eternal life. Now that's a bad deal, isn't it? That's a really bad deal. 60, 70, 80 years, maybe 90 years or 100 if you really, yeah, I'll live in the lap of luxury. But then I die and I forfeit eternal life. See, that's a bad deal. This is what the corruption of money has done to this rich young man. When it's stolen his heart and consumed his heart, he says, I'll live that way for 60 or 70 or 80 years, but forget about eternal life. It corrupts our thinking when we don't love God first and we put other things in there. When we love things like money, we will cheat on people to make sure that we always get the winning deal. When money is our God, we will often become stingy and selfish with our money because we've worked hard to get it and we don't want to give it away easily. It corrupts our thinking. You know, a way to find out what you or I are really loving or worshipping as supreme is to discover what thing, what thing, if it was taken away from me, would cause me the most pain or distress in life. You know, if I lost this blank, you can fill in the blank there, in life, then life wouldn't be worth living. If I lost my career, my life is over. I would probably fall apart if my blank was taken away from my life. If you got the time to sit back and think about what's really important to me, if I lost that, I would feel like my life is collapsed in on myself and there's nothing left. Very good chance that could be the supreme love of your life that's actually separating you from God. Jesus, though, has got a purpose here as we share in this story. The disciples of Jesus are looking on in astonishment as they see this conversation take place. They're looking at this and they're thinking that the rich man was the perfect candidate for eternal life. Now, why were they thinking that? Because in Jewish thought of that time, a rich person is supposedly a recipient of God's favour. If you're rich back then, they're thinking, this guy must be really blessed and favoured by God in this way. He must be the perfect candidate here for eternal life in heaven. They're thinking he must be on God's A-list to get in. Not so. Jesus, the Son of God, comes to this world with a purpose to turn everything upside down. Everything upside down. And that's what his teaching did. What Jesus, seemed to, uh, what Jesus taught seemed to fly in the opposite direction to how this world was thinking or acting or living. It just went counter-cultural. Jesus was a mysterious guy in this respect. Jesus came on a rescue mission to save us from our broken living. Jesus came on a rescue mission here to save us from God's right judgment toward our rebellious broken living, firstly before God and towards each other. Jesus came to save us 
from an eternal hell that God has created for all those who reject him. And you see, we've got to think about this. Nobody has a heart that's clean and pure before God. Nobody has a heart that is supremely devoted to loving and worshipping God first and foremost in our lives. Our hearts are broken. We fail to do this. We so easily let other things come in and steal our first love. Now, as we think about this story here and broken hearts, corrupted hearts, perhaps one of the saddest things that I think about here is the story in this rich man is that he turns his back on Jesus and he walks away. He turns his back on Jesus and he walks away. Really, that's all of us. That's all of us. In many respects, our heart is no different to the rich man in this story. We've all turned our backs on God and walked away. But this is the glorious picture of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is where he steps in on our behalf. Jesus is God's gift of grace to us so that we could be forgiven of our sins and receive new hearts to truly worship and to love God as we should. We've turned our backs on God, but Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he gave his back to be beaten on our behalf. You see, we've turned our backs on God, but Jesus gave his back to be crucified to a Roman cross, taking upon himself all of my sin and all of your sin and brokenness. You see, God turned his back upon Jesus at the cross because he was carrying our sin. But now, because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us, God doesn't and won't ever turn his back on us. Why? Because Jesus has borne sin's penalty in our place. So now because of Jesus, we won't see or we don't see God's back. All we see as we come to him in a humble way is God's open arms to receive forgiveness and reconciliation and be entered into a living and loving relationship with God through his son Jesus Christ. All because Jesus gave his back on our behalf, to take sin's penalty. So, how do you enter into this salvation of grace from God? It's a gift here that God gives through Jesus. Well, the rich young man, he thought you could earn your way into it by just being a good person, didn't he? He answered all those questions. Jesus showed him that will never do. That will never do. You can never be good enough for God in our own right. That will not pay for the brokenness that we have. But, Just before Jesus met this rich man, Jesus was with some other people. He was with some children. And at that particular time, the disciples of Jesus were sort of shooing these children away. Just leave Jesus alone, kids. Just move out. Give the man some space. He's got more important things to do other than be talking with you kids. Just take off. Go take a hike. Go somewhere. But Jesus says something remarkable here while the disciples are trying to get rid of these kids. He says it in Mark chapter 10, verse 14, 15, which, sorry, is not on your sheets, but it says this. Jesus says, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, 
Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. There it is for us. Jesus shows us how we receive this kingdom of God. How does a child do life? How does a three or a four or a five or six-year-old child do life? They receive it as a gift, don't they? They can't earn anything. They come humbly trusting in their parents that their parents will give them life. Believing and trusting in who their parents are and what they'll do for them. We are made right with God by humbly believing in who Jesus is, putting our trust in his death, in our place, for our sinfulness and our brokenness, and then surrendering our life to his lordship. And we, are, we receive the gift of forgiveness and the gift of eternal life. This is God's gift of pure and free sovereign grace to us. It's our prayer today as we've gathered here as Exchange Church. And maybe I said, you've been here for the first time. Maybe you've got that voice, you've got that something inside of you saying, yeah, there's something wrong. Something's missing in my life. I just know it's not right. And maybe even now you're thinking there is a God and I want to be connected to him, but I know there's a gulf between God and myself. I would urge you today to think about that, that Jesus is the only way to connect that separation between us and God through what he has done. It's an act of faith in believing what he's done and then surrendering our life to him and his lordship. If that's you today, I would love for you to come and see me. I'll be standing around the front here after we finish singing in a few minutes. I would love for you to come and see me and ask a question. Or if you've come with a friend today, take some time to ask your friend and say, I need to know more about this Jesus. I need to know more about this Jesus. Let me pray. Uh, Lord, we thank you today that we can uh, be out here in this glorious park. Father, we thank you today for the truth of the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you today for the recorded story when Jesus meets the rich young ruler. God, it's a tremendous truth here that Jesus lovingly works through with this rich young ruler. He goes in to expose his deepest need, his deepest problem. Not the surface issues, but Lord, the core issue in his heart. Now, Lord, today I pray that you would do that work in our hearts today as well. That we would see a glorious God, a glorious Christ a God filled with grace and mercy who rescues us, who reaches out to save us and to bring us into a life of peace and joy and righteousness in your kingdom through your Holy Spirit by what Jesus has done. Lord, today, if there are those who are today thinking about that, I pray, give them the courage, Lord, to come and see me and we can talk some more about that. God, what a blessing we are able to be here today. So, Lord, I thank you for all these things now and thank you for them in Jesus' name. Amen.